Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. Karen, we just wrapped up our last Evening with Mediums event for this year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely sold out. So thank you to everyone. That was tons of fun. Uh, and we are letting you know that we have our next three events mapped out already for 2018. You can buy tickets at buysarlo.com. They are April 27th, August 24th, and December 14th. Mm-hmm. Consistent time, consistent place. I should have said same bat time, same bat <laughs> channel if I was really paying attention. Um, but those are already available to the public, so you can grab your tickets already. We do like to inform you that we have a second podcast show called Sips of Sanity. It is only available on our website so far, and that airs the first week of every month. And that has a theme to it, all five shows. So you can catch that uh, 12 times a year. We also have personal sessions and group sessions that are available. You can contact Karen and I for those through the website or by phone. And we have gift certificates available. There's still time before Christmas, uh, but they are available all year. So you don't have to rush, um, but they're really pretty. And you can get them in any denomination. Yeah, and it's a great gift for someone who's grieving, for someone who is in pain, for someone who's looking for answers to connect with their own soul, general direction in life. Um, it's, it's It's a wonderful experience, and you can't really describe it until you've had it yourself. Oh, I like that. That's a good way to word it. Thanks. I've done this a few times. <laughs> okay, so today we are talking about mentorship. Yes. Okay, so this is one of your clients. Yeah. So we'll set we'll set that stage, and you can you can start. Okay. Uh, an older gentleman came in. He booked a personal session for himself for an hour. He just sat down in the chair and said to me, "Just go open." And I said, "Well," I said, "Actually, I'm being told it's not an open session." you would actually like to know if you're supposed to continue to work and why. What is this big purpose where you feel the need to work? So I need to say that this person can afford to retire. And financially, the person can afford to retire emotionally. There's all kinds of different reasons that the person can do this. But there's some need or some desire unknowns to him what's really motivating him. So he just asked what that was. And I'll say he asked it in terms of his spirit, not in terms of out loud. Mm -hmm. So I said to him, do you want to know what your life purpose is? I'm being told that's what you're here looking for. And he said, well, kind of, part of, I'm not too certain because I think I know in some areas of my life, what have you got? So I said, it's in regards to career. And they're just speaking about the fact that there is tremendous purpose in you staying employed. I like the point that you made, and I think a lot of people are going to overlook it because we've discussed in previous podcasts and in tons of sessions that life purpose is not always career. So the fact that you stated that the purpose was about career should not be obvious. That's correct. It never is to me. I never assume that in a session. Humans do. The people in the room do. I don't. Okay. So going forward. Okay. So it ended up being very much based around people who'd crossed over, coming in to talk about his life, his family, his parents, his grandparents, there's all kinds of people that had crossed over, contributed to his session, even though it was about life purpose, and in this case, career. A whole group came in to support him and to talk about why this is important right now at this time in his life when he could be looking at sitting in a warmer climate or 
um, enjoying snowshoeing and being outside and doing fun Leisure things. Yeah. yeah. Because he's at the time of his life where lots of people listening to this would think, huh, it wouldn't dawn on me to go in and ask a question like that. I, I Once I'm done my job, I want to get out of there. Yeah. Well, he has the qualities of a mentor. He, he has the qualities of a person who is a good role model. Okay, I can barely think straight because Parker's sitting right beside us. Guys, I'm a good mentor. Let me be a part of this. Yeah, he just got up, walked over and sat right beside us. Okay, because of the way that he was raised by his parents, this man is an amazing listener. He values listening incredibly because it's where he gathers all of his information. It's his number one priority at work is to listen, listen, and listen more. So he listens to what is said. He listens to what is not said. And he listens to, quote unquote, the actions the person speaks. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, I love it. Oh, I just, just loved it. And this came from his mom and dad. This was really important because they were in the room. Who've crossed over. Who've died. Yeah. His dad was a person who took his time to listen to everything. So if he came home from work and it was a shit show in the house, he didn't react and start yelling. He just sat back and observed what was going on. If his mom was talking to him or he and his brothers were fighting or whatever, it didn't matter if there was chaos. He just sat back and observed first. Perhaps that's why Parker sat in front of us because that's oh, his personality. That's true. So he learned this from his mom and dad and his mom was the type of person who was very honest, very truthful. If, if the kids were all fighting, she, even if she saw who was who was right and who was wrong, she waited to hear them tell their stories to her because she wanted to see whose stories would change. So she was patient. Even if she knew this person took the toy first and instigated the fight, she waited to see how they worded that. It's my toy. No, no. Doesn't matter if it's your toy. The toy's down on the ground. It makes ownership is not an issue. Your behavior is. So she was really somebody who just observed it right to the point where she already knew who the culprit was and just sat back and listened to the culprit's story. So did they tell the truth? Did they change it? Did they dress it up a little bit so that they could be right or victimized? And if they did that, she would take them off on, on her own, not in front of all the other siblings and humiliate them or shame them. And she would sit down and ask them other questions so that they could come to their own truthfulness about their own lying or embellishment without being shamed. I love it. Oh! Those are the people that deserve to reproduce. Yeah. So she was explaining to him how she parented him and his siblings. And he was like, that's my mom. That's my mom, Karen. And in tears, tears of happiness. My mom's here. I had the personality perfect, but it was, and so it was really about his mom and how she raised him. It was really about his dad. So there was so much that was medium about his session, but the whole point had to do with the current moment and his future psychic part of the reading. 
So I loved in his session how all of these intuitive gifts that you and I have came together. I'd imagine they were easy to channel. Yes. Yeah, that's fun. And, and I'm happy for you. I like the way that you said that, Kelly. They were easy people to channel because of their integrity and truth mm-hmm. in the way that they lived their lives. So still on the, in the spirit world, it was joyful to channel them. Yeah, because, and just to illustrate for other people, when you have someone who is, let's say, a man or a woman of few words, the human can ask us questions in the room, and then we hear silence, and we have to say, I'm sorry, just a second, I'm not getting anything, they're refusing to speak. Yeah, and they often... And we have to understand that that's what they would have done as humans, and then the soul starts talking, but that that's difficult. That's a process that you have to go through to hear it, understand it, trust it, and move forward versus what you're talking about they had so much integrity as humans that it just flows a whole lot easier and it's easier to trust it's easier to hear and that movement is is ease and if the client in the room doesn't understand their purse their parents personality has to come out to us like that and is rushing us then they think we're no good yes and it has nothing to do with us being no good being judged it has to do with as you just described that it's an entire process we have to be patient to get through so sometimes it requires a tremendous amount of patience on our part with the deceased that we're channeling and then we have to have a double amount of patience to deal with the client if they're not remembering what their parent would be like and would be doing to us yes okay I liked your whole explanation on that, your your whole story. Thanks. Yeah, it, it's great for people to understand that. So both his mom and dad described their personalities and showed exactly how they behaved so that he felt safe. He felt safe enough within himself on a very core fundamental level to be a good listener. He didn't have anxiety listening. Some people are going to hear that and go, oh, just brain cramp. Oh, totally. It is. It's complicated because if you weren't raised that way, you might never understand that you have anxiety just being a listener. And because of that anxiety, that they constantly have to be talking. So if you know of anybody who is a constant talker, you might be well aware they have high levels of anxiety. But sometimes we don't. We just think that they're just narcissistic. And they're not. It comes from that place of being anxious. Okay. So the next thing that she talked about too that just was beautiful that went along with this that because he felt so safe being listened to it allowed him to be a good listener. So it went both ways. But it also made him feel safe enough to tell the truth all the time. And so both parents allowed all of their children and each other to say the truths. Whether they were hurtful or not, sometimes they were blurted out in mean ways. But there was always this calming down, calming down of the voice. And that was something else he did beautifully, was that he had this calm energy, this beautiful presence about himself that in the crisis, when co-workers were angry when there were outbursts in the workplace 
whether it was amongst each other or with customers, that he was the one that could calm anybody down. Mm-hmm. But it was because he had all of these beautiful skills of listening, of not having his own level of anxiety in listening, that he could listen to others. And because of it, he just had a wonderful way that they calmed down instantly because they knew that they were going to be heard. He had a way of putting both feet down, a way of just putting his arms straight in front of him, not folded across his chest. He just had a way of actually just listening and looking straight at them and not being so uncomfortable within himself and or, or rushing that he had to problem solve something that he was okay just to do the listening. And if he didn't have enough time in the moment, it would be okay to call the person later. It would be okay to make time later. He didn't want anybody to be rushed and having to explain something. And that right within that, a lot of things diffused because of just those qualities. Yeah, urgency is terrifying. Oh, that's a good way to word it. Because we we feel our options are taken away from us. Yeah. When you don't have time to process, you don't mm. have time to sit in your integrity. Mm, I like that. You're lucky if, if the one option in front of you feels like integrity. Mm-hmm. But urgency often pushes us outside of it. Well, that goes back to a prior podcast about what narcissists do in taking away our time, in taking away our ability to think for ourselves and slow the situation down so we don't have anxiety. Yes. Okay. So these were some of his beautiful qualities as a mentor that other people around him, some are going to use. They're going to use that to their benefit. But the company could see in him that others were going to model it. Very cool. Isn't that? So the owners of the company valued him out the yin-yang because they could then see which of their employees were, were modeling his behaviors and those were the employees they were pegging for promotions. I hope so. And the yeah. employees that just utilized him but never really grew up or never really used those tools for themselves, Mm -hmm. well, they recognize that those employees could be beneficial. I don't mean that they were going to be dismissed or fired, but they recognized that they were not coachable or that even under his tutelage, he had to always kind of manage them, Mm -hmm. but that there were other employees that were coachable. And so he literally was doing an amazing job for them in personal resources or management without them even having to really say, you're our human resources person. You are our trainer. He did it just symbiotically because of who he is. That's lovely. Quite often during the session, Kelly, they told him how much they loved him and how proud they were of him. And, and quite often, not for the achievements of what he sold at work or, or his like his sales or something. Yeah, yeah. But they his told behavior. Yeah. Of his actual qualities. Because of all of this, he was also somebody who could think outside the box. And now everybody around him knows this. He is a problem solver extraordinaire. Because he sees choices. He takes his time. He doesn't let anybody rush him. Remember the whole mom taking him aside and not shaming him? Mm -hmm. He uses that at work as well, that he doesn't shame anybody. 
So if someone is shaming another coworker or a customer, or a customer is trying to shame the staff, he's very sensitive to the shame issue. Can I repeat that? Yeah. He is very sensitive to the shame issue and will not tolerate it. He has zero tolerance for shaming. That's unique. Oh, oh, there's a part of me that just wants to take this podcast and have it sent out to like, like every single business, every single company, every single corporation. It's the total opposite of what's happening globally. Yeah. The business model is largely built around shame. Yes. Comparison used to shame. That's right. Yeah. Even politicians use use it. Even? Well. Did they not invent it? Yeah. And they're using it unbelievably. So I thought there was such an importance to sharing his story and into sharing all of these qualities and how there is still value for this in our society. There is need, absolutely. But there are also people who really do value it. Okay, hold on. I just want to see my notes because I wrote... I. His parents instilled in him that everybody, including mom and dad, do the small jobs. So mom and dad clean the toilet. In a rotational basis of chores in the house, everybody had turns to do things. Mm -hmm. So what was taught is it's not a boy's job to mow the lawn and shovel the driveway and a girl's job to do the dishes and make the beds and change the diapers and cook dinner. Everything was seen as everybody's job, and it was rotational. I had never heard this in my whole life. Really? I was not raised that way. I mean, going back to my childhood. Mm -hmm. It was very misogynistic. Misogynistic. It was very misogynistic. The girls in my home had certain jobs, and the boys had certain jobs. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in my late 50s or mid 50s. So, I mean, people can understand that. That was maybe the way a certain generation was raised. Yeah. However, he's older than me. Oh, cool. He's a decade older than me. And so here are parents who, if they were alive, would be probably like late 90s, 100. Mm-hmm. They're, they're passed over. But that's a century ago. That they were raising their children to be rotational in how they see the chores. So when he's at work, even though he's one of the supervisors, he cleans the toilet. He washes his own dishes. He cleans other people's dishes. Mm -hmm. He teaches all of the staff. So he's in there. He's the boss. He's one of the bosses. But he's in there doing the dishes. When it's someone else's turn, he thanks them for doing the dishes that week. He recognizes that when he's off, if someone else comes up to him to say, thank you for doing the dishes, it goes both ways. By doing the dishes and doing every single job that everybody does, he's showing that nobody is above another person. We all use the washroom. That doesn't mean the lowest paid person should clean the washroom. Mm -hmm. It means we should all take turns doing it. Everybody eats, everybody should take turns doing the dishes. That doesn't fall on the secretary. That doesn't fall on the lowest paid person. 
there are certain things that no one should ever earn the right to not do. That's right. Because it it stimulates more personal responsibility in how you function in the space when you know that you're responsible for taking care of it. Yes. And it also means that you all value each other equally in thinking instead of thinking that if I make more money than you or I have a different position than you, that I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. I just, like his parents were just brilliant. But I also want to say it wasn't just brilliance. It was just humanity. It was just equality. It was just kindness, respect, integrity, authenticity, all of those things. They didn't put any of that up on a pedestal. They tried to make sure that he never saw himself or anybody else as pedestals. Everyone sitting on the same level of stool or toilet or or (laughs) standing in front of the kitchen sink and it's equals. And that came from his mom and dad. Mm Mm-hmm. So he taught these things as a mentor. These were the th- these were the qualities I thought were absolutely wonderful. You're talking about values. You're talking about instilling values or, or passing them on. Yeah, and and yeah. those those values that he's emulating and implementing in this job are the reason that people stay. Mm-hmm. They're the reason that when people go off to find new careers, they either stay in those or leave them because mm-hmm. they realize that this company doesn't do or value the way the old one does. Mm-hmm. And this is when employers don't understand why people come and go. Or how about why they just don't give more? Yeah. Why they why some employees or their all of their employees just give the bare minimum and leave. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, they don't foster an environment that it's a that it's community that we're all equals here. I don't know who said the quote, but it, it's um, people who are appreciated will always do more for you. Oh, bang on. So he he also um, was somebody who really understood because of course you're rotating, so you're doing everybody's jobs. So he's somebody who came in and has literally wanted to understand what every single person in the company does. So that he understands how long it takes when you ask a coworker to get a job done. Mm-hmm. So that you don't overstress them by giving them too much to do and expecting them to get it done. And when they don't, you're baffled. You're angry. Yeah. You're, you're, you're punishing them. You're disciplining them. You're writing them up. You're creating fear that they're going to get laid off and fired. Mm-hmm. He understood what every single person did. So that when he asked for a job to be done, he could say, do you have what you need? Do you have the time? Do you have other things on your plate? He asked the right questions. No, I have, you know, four other bosses that have given me number one priorities. And you are the fourth person to give me or the fifth person to say it's a number one priority. So out of these five, could you five bosses get together and tell me which job to do first? Out of all your number ones. Mm-hmm. So he would take that, go back to the other four bosses and say, okay, these take this much time. We have to prioritize. He would walk back to the employee and say, here are your number ones in the order they need to get done. So that employee could just sit there and enjoy their day and get it done. Mm -hmm. And the other bosses didn't get in and fight amongst each other. Or micromanage. Yes. Micromanaging absolutely kills businesses. Yes. Oh, totally. And it happens when we don't understand people's jobs. That's right. 
it, it to me it's it's like all of these qualities that his parents give him um just from the like or I shouldn't say just from excuse me all of these qualities that his parents teach him uh, that come from what it's like to be a healthy family enable him to be a healthy employee he's not the owner you guys have, you, like, you're hearing he's not the owner you're hearing he's he's a manager he's a supervisor but he's a middle person mm-hmm. and that middle person can make or break the company or the government or the school the middle person can make and break everything at one point his parents showed me what he valued and i really liked it because he would value his sick days he would when he was sick he called in sick yeah he took all his sick days because he knew that if he showed up sick it meant that nobody else could take a sick day or if they did they would be scared of losing their jobs because the boss comes in, the manager comes in sick. So he took his sick days. But here was a kicker. He took sick days if his wife was sick. Nice. He took sick days if his kids were sick. Yeah. He would call in and say, my dog is sick. I have to go to the vet. So that if a single person was sick or their dog was sick or their child was sick, he knew they didn't have a spouse to count on which might also have a job and be in the same situation. But he understood that. Mm -hmm. So if somebody was single, he would say, how's Joe? Joe could be the dog. How's Joe? Oh, he's got some hip problems. Do you need some time off to take him to the vet? Yeah. He totally got that. I, this just personal, because I really like the example that his parents brought forward. When I was working at the bank, I had a supervisor show up sick very ill, very contagious. And I was furious. And their excuse was they had too much work to do, they couldn't afford to take the sick day, so on and so forth. I ended up getting sick and had to go to the doctors. And of course, work doesn't let you back unless you have a doctor's note, which costs money. And I ended up having a conversation with my supervisor saying, this person showed up sick, infected the rest of us, I don't have sick days as a contract employee. I can't afford to take them financially, but also attendance-wise, according to you. And now you want unpaid days off with a paid doctor's note. Tell me how much sense this makes. Mm -hmm. Because you can't honor or you're in a system where you don't feel a sick day is even a permission you have. Mm Mm-hmm. That's why I thought his story was wonderful. It, yeah. is, it is a remarkable story, unfortunately. He should be the average story. Yeah. And he isn't. And that's why he's a subject of a podcast show that I, I wish would go viral. Mm-hmm. I wish that people would send out to every single one of their employees through boards of education and through every single system we can think of because it boils down to a society that doesn't take care of each other yeah because we don't feel we can take care of ourselves that's right and it ends up becoming confrontational it ends up becoming where people get angry over all of these situations yeah the ones that are stupid the person who's sick who should have just stayed home Mm -hmm. and for the person like you just said it's a stupid silly situation that you had to go to work healthy with sick people you lose your pay but maybe that person doesn't no because they have the benefits yep 
but are still too scared to take the day, even though they have paid benefits yeah. to take the day because of a toxic work environment. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the toxicity in work environments. And his story is about a company that because of one employee, one employee has a healthy work environment. And and no, I understand what you're saying, but there were other people who saw what health looked like and decided to value it. That's the point. Yeah. I just wanted to make the point that it can be one person who starts it mm-hmm. and that you're right, it has to be other people that value it. Yeah. And that sometimes we can be the healthy employee that starts it and it is us, but we aren't in the environment to be supported. Mm-hmm. And so quite often then, we are the ones that have to quit. That is, you are the person that has to do the leaving. Mm-hmm. And that's in relationships. Yes. You think about someone who's in a, in a relationship where one set of parents is being completely toxic and ruining the partnership. And the one person says, I'm standing up to your parents. And the, the actual child doesn't support their partner mm-hmm. in standing up to the bully mm-hmm. or the system or however you want to put that. You ultimately have to be the one to walk away. Mm-hmm. People have to be on the same page with what they value and what they're going to fight for. Yeah. You've you've made a wonderful liaison to... Is that the right word? I'm struggling with my words today. <laughs> segue. You made a lovely segue from a business environment into personal, which is also what I was trying to do is and explain that he got this from a personal environment. He got these values, these beliefs, and all of these tools and skills from the family. That's wonderful. Took them into work environments to teach other people. Thank God, as you said, he has bosses that value it. I'm trying to point out in this podcast today that the middle management person needs that. And we need the big owners the presidents, the prime ministers, the CEOs, the directors, we need them to back it up. Or the people like this man that are in the middle management don't get to function. Mm -hmm. And we don't get the healthy environments. And that's why it's so important to have these mentors. It's, it's so important that they're supported when they choose to live their lives this way. And it is. We have choices about that each day in how we decide to treat each other. That's it for today. I'm happy that you got to spend an hour that way. I loved his energy. There was so much more to his session. Yeah. That was like about the first 10 to 15 minutes of it. He just had that that little bursts come through that's really funny considering that the question was what's my life purpose Mm -hmm. and you're saying oh but that was just the first 10 to 15 minutes Mm -hmm. that's fun yeah like he did come through after that and ask other questions about other people like he went into other areas like psychic and different things but I just thought what an absolute beautiful way to hear from your parents Uh, what a beautiful way to hear what kind of life you're living and not wait till you die, till you die to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Um, to see how the universe sees you, to see how your soul sees your experience in a human body, and to be able to be the person to sit there and say, "Yeah, that's me." Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I'm not so outside of my own experience and my own realities that I don't even recognize myself, which some clients have that experience of in mm-hmm. these sessions. Yeah. So it was, um, it was a pretty beautiful one. Cool. And one I really was excited to share with people. That's a good feel in December. Yeah. When it's dark out early and mm-hmm. people are feeling strongly about the weather. <laughs> I hope people are going to feel strongly about their own choices. Yeah. And, and and for the people who are him, then on a personal note, thank God for you. Yeah, hopefully you feel strengthened and re- yeah. and acknowledged and recognized. Re-listen to this podcast as many times as you choose to. <laughs> like just I The rest they, of you too. And I was just going to say, though, the rest of you who need a kick in the ass, the rest of you who need to stay home when you're sick, the rest of you who need to be better bosses, better CEOs, the be- the rest of you who need to be better human beings. I like that. So here's an invitation just from, you know, Karen and Kelly in our corner of the world or our ball in the world, whatever. Um, the, it's an invitation to step it up here. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you. Um, if you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Otherwise, have a wonderful weekend.